0: following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports
1: Network. Tuesdays on the huge show across Michigan are brought to you by the Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Book your getaway today at SoaringEagleCasino.com and also download the Eagle Access app. And they now have live sports wagering inside the Ascend Book and nightclub inside Soaring Eagle in Mount Pleasant. And if you want to get an update and buy tickets to all the great indoor shows. Find out about the promotions and the giveaways. Go to SoaringEagleCasino.com and download that Eagle Access app. Tuesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the incredible Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. On today's broadcast, we look back at my conversations with Gold Star families in West Michigan about their sons making the ultimate sacrifice for the United States of America. Let's continue our Gold Star family conversations. Now, I came across a follower on the huge show Twitter feed by the name of Jamie Klein, and she is a head track and field coach at west catholic high school in grand rapids on the west side of the state and also speed coach for the powerful west catholic high school football program and she had a comment that i liked and i clicked on the comment and i noticed that it said hashtag gold star family so i reached out to jamie and i said would you be interested in coming in studio to tell the story of your husband's stepbrother matt who went to Morley Stanwood High School, Matt Weber, and Western Michigan University. Matt had signed up for the National Guard to help him pay for college. He was sent to Iraq in August 2015. He was hit by a roadside bomb on November 21st, 2015. The gunner in his Humvee was killed instantly. The remaining four guys were sent to Germany and then to Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio, Texas. They all sustained life-threatening burn injuries while they were trapped in the Humvee for up to 20 minutes. Jamie told me that her and her husband Matt went at least twice a month to Texas, or her and her husband Brendan went to visit Matt at least twice a month to Texas. He was never able to speak but was aware that we were there. Sadly, all of those soldiers passed away. Uh, Matt passed five months later on April 27th. 2016 gave his life to the united states of america the ultimate sacrifice and that what defines a gold star family and jamie klein uh, joins us in studio here on the huge show across michigan welcome in
2: thanks for having me
1: yeah i appreciate the background on matt and i mentioned your uh, husband brendan and the connection there so as a gold star family Uh, when you look back to 2016 and you think about matt what's that been like for your family
2: there's just so many emotions involved and even just hearing you recap the story it's you know obviously that when it happened we were coming home from a restaurant we got the phone call that he had been hit by a a roadside bomb and just thinking of the emotions of that evening and then you know not knowing where we're going to spend our thanksgiving and then traveling to texas and seeing him, which was unrecognizable as a human being, and then the the remaining five months were just so painful watching the struggle that this young man went through, losing limbs, and um, you you knew he was never gonna have a normal life, even if he did survive, it would have been extremely difficult, but just watching someone go through something like this is absolutely life-changing.
1: I think i look when i read the background you gave me on matt weber that his fight for five months at that burn center in san antonio I, I without ever meeting the man without ever talking to you outside of you know some dms back and forth on twitter i think that said something about matt weber yeah that he was a fighter
2: he absolutely was a fighter we, um, my children were really young at the time and they couldn't go in to see him because of the condition he was in but they were 4 3 and 1 and he could hear them yelling and playing in the hall and in the waiting room and he would he, you could see in his eyes he knew that we were there he knew that the kids were there and i was i'd explained to him you know what they were doing and you could see even though he his he, he sustained third degree burns over 90% of his body and you could just you could see the emotion in his eyes and that's about all the emotion you could see He was an absolute fighter. He was a family guy. I mean, we we were a very close family. And I knew, just looking in his eyes, the love and the devotion he felt for us and the fight he was trying to just... He was battling so hard just to have one more day with
1: us. So the age of... 23. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned he died April 27, 2016, right. serving during Operation Iraqi Freedom. And he went to Western mm-hmm. because he, you know, National Guard, he signed up get money to pay for college. Uh, what do you remember? What does the family talk about when he was sent to Iraq and he knew that he was fighting for freedom?
2: Well, I, I'm very supportive. We are a military family. I was very supportive of, of him doing that, but. We were nervous because of the situation in the world at the time, and everybody offered to give Matt money to pay for college so that he didn't have to do this. But we were very proud that he did, and we, you know, we knew it would be a slight chance that anything would happen, but we obviously hoped and prayed that nothing ever would. But we, you know, we were proud of him. We were proud that he was going. We were, we were sad to see when we saw him off. We had a big party, and the there were, you know, there's mixed emotions. Obviously, your pride because we are a military family and then the sadness that he's going and then you just wonder the worry and then to get that call obviously was devastating
1: and you think about you know 23 and what we were doing at 23 or anybody (laughs) listening and you had matt uh, out of kalamazoo michigan going to western Uh, he was part of the michigan army national guard that we mentioned he signed up uh, to help pay for college down in Kalamazoo. Uh, that unit, uh, the 125th Infantry Regiment, 1st Battalion, uh, based out of Saginaw, Michigan, so a lot of people probably listening to this. You, you've had men and women serve in that unit and people who knew Army Sergeant Matthew A. Weber. Uh, being a Gold Star family, I, I try and bring these messages that these families never forget. They want the legacy to live on. Mm-hmm. They want people to remember who their son was, who their stepbrother was, who their cousin was, who their uncle was. And, and I find it inspirational that the courage and the duty and the honor and the love of country that I've seen from, whether it's Ross Smith or David Worson or Eric Burry, and I can go down the list, that we're, we're talking about, not kids, but people in their late teens, young 20s who are willing, who know when they walk into Operation Enduring Freedom, when they go to Iraq, when they go to Afghanistan, that they know there is a chance they may not come home and they're willing to sacrifice their life for America. I find that inspirational every time I have a conversation with a Gold Star family.
2: I think it's amazing. And I think it's something that 15 years ago was much more common than it is today. I'd feel like, you know, and as you and I were talking before, I coach young kids, and I have a lot of great young kids that I coach who would definitely sign up for this and lay down their life for their country, but I feel it's it's a fleeting feeling. I feel that not as many young people are willing to do this. I, I hope that that changes, but I know that the pride we felt in all of those young men when they were being sent off was something that I don't feel is as strong today and I hope it comes back because we're so proud of all of these young men who do this and my father did two tours in Vietnam and the the pride I have in him and what he went through there was a time at where it, it was they weren't proud when those guys came back and when when they when they brought these young men back and when you go into Brook Army and you see these soldiers fighting for their life there's such an overwhelming sense of of pride for our country that I just don't know if it's as strong as it as it is but i really appreciate you bringing this to the forefront reminding people we we need to be proud of these guys these guys sacrificed their life for what we are allowed to go and protest on the street down here i see this these people and they have the right to do that because of people like my brother-in-law and i'm beyond proud of him
1: i think the majority of americans uh, who are connected to a gold star family who know somebody who served this country, made the ultimate sacrifice, or read or hear a story like this about Army Sergeant Matthew A. Weber. 99% of people listening respect his duty, his love of country, and the honor he had fighting for his life in San Antonio. And I believe that. I really do. It's, It's why I do this. I do this because I know in my heart that if somebody hears a story about a gold star family it will touch their heart and if you get just that moment where you think about matthew weber or you think about ross smith or you think about daniel price and you think about someone you've never met i've never met any of these heroes never but man through their family i see the strength i see the character I, I see what drove them to serve America. And I believe it's there. I really do. I know we, we talk about this next generation. We, we talk about what they've all went through in the last year in the pandemic. But I believe there are kids. You know, I, when, when Ryan Fisher of Granville died in his sleep of a heart attack, his brother Connor, now Ryan was accepted and had a choice between the Naval Academy mm-hmm. and West Point. His brother Connor said that he was going to try and get into West Point to honor his brother. And you know who just graduated in May from West Point? Connor Fisher of Granville, Michigan. That's amazing. And that, that, that's what gives me hope. And I look at their age and I think, hey, man, I'm 59. Somebody at 23 said, yeah, I signed up for the, the college bonus, but I didn't say no when my unit out of saginaw was called into operation enduring free, freedom and going to iraq and you know you look at matthew weber and you think about what he would be doing today and i'm sure you guys even when you when you started this interview uh, it, it touches your heart your family's heart and everybody listening what, what type of person was he i mean for those who never met army sergeant matthew weber what, what type of guy was he
2: Matt liked to have a good time. He uh, he was in a fraternity at Western Michigan, as was his brother, Andy, who is now married with three kids and lives locally. Um, Matt liked to have a lot of fun. At all of our family parties, he was the life of the party. He was the first one to get down and roll on the floor with the little kids. He loved his his, nephew, his nieces and nephews. He he just he lit up the room when you walked in. He had this bright blonde hair and this bright blue eyes and big smile. And, you know, we... We always, um, my husband and I would always play this game on Christmas with them. We'd give he and his brother Andy a blank envelope with no name on it. And one had 50 bucks, one had 30 bucks, and they each got to pick which one. Matt always lost. He always got the lesser amount at Christmas, and he was, it, it was just, it was a long-standing joke, because every Christmas, it'd be the same thing. He was just, you know, pissed off at Andy, like, well, why does he always win, you know? And it was just a long-standing, fun Christmas tradition that we always had, and something we look forward to every year, and... Just the little things we miss about our holiday gatherings. It's been 15 years, and you know, for most people, these these memories and the the pain that they feel when they see this on TV, it you know, it's sad to see for a few minutes. And but it, it all changed that day when you know, when Matt passed. And now every time I see someone died and you know, overseas in the in the war, it's it's reopening a little bit of that wound every single time. And it. You know, it it reminds us of the memories we had of Matt. And I think about all these other families who are now going to have the same, you know, next 15 years like I've had, you know, missing him and our family. And it's uh, it's a different feeling when you when when you see it on TV now and you see that soldiers were killed. You don't just walk away and go make your dinner and go on about your day. You stop and you pray and you think about those families, what they're going through right now, I remember what we went through the first 24 hours, the first 48 hours, you know, the funeral, the packed high school gym and you know, the helicopters and everything that we went through. It was, it's something I think about, I'm much more cognizant when I see on TV and I see that what the families are going through. And it reminds me of the lifetime of pain that they're going to have, like we have, the i mean it it gets it doesn't get easier it just gets different you know life is you don't heal from something like this but you learn how to grow from it you move on but it's always there always and again like when you see when you see it on the news it opens it up a little bit more and i have a much greater appreciation for what other people are going through and these soldiers still struggling in all of the hospitals and every prayer for my at night is for every soldier who's struggling. Cause watching these young men and women go through this is, it's gut-wrenching and it changes your life. For me, I was a pharmaceutical rep, <clears throat> excuse me. And right before Matt passed, I told him on his deathbed, I said, I will never live another day of my life unhappy. And I came home, I quit my job and I said, I wanna devote my life to service as coaching, as the lunch lady, as you know volunteering in my community and i did and here i am i'm i coach i've coached youth i youth track i have eight schools i coach for little kids i coach at high school and i've i've pr- lived up to my promise to him i've never lived another day <clears throat> unhappy since matt passed and that's the best i can do for him
1: uh your husband uh with brandon, right? brandon, yep. brandon 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 mm-hmm. uh brandon klein and jamie klein by the way uh, joining us her husband brandon his stepbrother was matt weber who went to Morley Stanwood High School, for those of you just north of Grand Rapids here on the west side of the state, went to Western Michigan University, as I mentioned, signed up for the National Guard to help him pay for college. He was sent to Iraq in August 2015. He was hit by a roadside bomb on November 21st, 2015. The gunner in his MV was killed instantly. The remaining four guys were sent to Germany and then on to Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio, Texas. They all sustained life-threatening burn injuries while they were trapped in the Humvee for up to 20 minutes. Matt did pass away along with uh, the rest of his fellow soldiers who were hit by that roadside bomb. That was on April 27, 2016. So your husband, being a stepbrother, Matt, Of his, uh, how how has he handled everything?
2: He, I think he more compartmentalizes things than I do. Um, I think a lot of a lot of guys do that. I mean, I'm not just trying to be stereotypical of guys, but I know it's been painful for him. I mean, he he became Matt's big brother when Matt was four. Their parents married, and so you know his memories of carrying Matt down to Richmond Park on his shoulders and going fishing, and you know he has a lot of great memories with matt as a kid and I, he he doesn't talk about it as much as as, as i think as i do um I, ju- I just i think it's a little more painful for him because it just brings up all the memories that he had together with him as a little kid i met matt as a teenager when he was in high school and my husband and i met so i have memories of matt playing football and you know playing sports at morley stanwood and um I th- the, the memories he has of him as a, as a small boy being a big brother to him, I to look back on that. I'm sure it's it's really painful for him to think about that he doesn't get to watch him be the husband and father like like Brandon is, and he, just thinking about the things that Matt did miss out on that we are enjoying in life. That we are, we've been blessed with three, you know, teenage boy. Well, they're they're teenage boys. They're you know they're they're difficult. They give us our struggles, but we've been blessed with three great kids and. Great marriage and it's just things that Matt never got to have the opportunity to have, which that's difficult for both of us to I think, process. You know, especially watching the their other brother Andy, who, you know, now is a father of three and we we just think every we were at a birthday party for Andy's youngest son on Sunday and I I'm lying to you if I say I don't think about where Matt would be. You know, Matt would be at this party with, would he have a wife and kids and would he be rolling around on the floor with Andy's kids and it's, uh, those things are tough. When Every time we go through a family situation like that, we, we think about what would Matt be doing and I think it's, it's, it's tough for all of us to process. We, we, don't, we don't talk about it a lot at parties anymore, but I know we're all thinking about it. Where, where would he be? What would he be doing right now?
1: Yeah, and time just goes by fast, yeah. and I know all the families, especially the Gold Star families and all military families, uh, appreciate uh, the legacy being honored for those who have served, continue to serve, and those uh, like Army Sergeant Matthew Weber who made the ultimate sacrifice? And Absolutely,
2: and I really appreciate you bringing this to light. We, I mean, like I said, we we talk about Matt as a family, but we don't, you know, I don't talk in the community very much about it. But this, it's very, it's an honor to be able to talk about him and tell people his story.
1: I, I think uh, our military, those who have served, who currently serve, and those who have made the ultimate sacrifice, uh, deserve better treatment uh, from this country and from the media, and and that's why i do it and i think we also i I mentioned uh 2015 and this is actually 2005 like you mentioned over 15 years ago right
2: yes oh yes
1: right you're right so now it's uh it's coming into year 16.
2: Yes, that's right. And, that and I, time, think I, I think I sent you the... I, don't I was worry about yourself. it. Hey,
1: hey, you know what? I I, I mess up numbers for eleven. Yeah. If you listen to the show, I will... People are like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you know, when I say I'm 39, I, I may be off by 20 years, but I'm good. <laughs> don't worry about it. You know, the, yeah. the point here of this entire interview, as we always pay tribute to Gold Star Families... And, and I'm trying, and anybody, by the way, listening, if, if you are a member of a Gold Star family, just uh, drop me a direct message on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you can email the show, go to net. The more stories we can share. Mm-hmm. And we try and play these interviews around the holidays, Veterans Day, 4th of July, time when people get a chance and they're driving and they're thinking about a 23-year-old by the name of, Matt Weber, who made the ultimate sacrifice for America and extended family like you, uh, your husband, uh, who was the big stepbrother to him growing up and to the entire Weber family. And like I said to everybody, as it extends out, uh, that's a that's duty, honor and love a country. And it defines a man and a woman uh, who are willing to do that. I appreciate the time, Jamie, and my best to you, the Klein family, the Weber family and Everybody. And his his legacy will live on on the Huge Radio Network for as long as I'm on there.
2: Thanks so much for bringing it to light. We appreciate it.
1: You're listening to Huge Show Conversations with Gold Star Families here in Michigan as they talk about the legacy of their sons who made the ultimate sacrifice fighting for our country. We played for the thrill. That rush you feel with the game on the line. I'm Herman Moore, Lions All-Pro Wide Receiver now with eagle casino and sports the new sportsbook app from Soren eagle anywhere i'm at i'm still in the game sign up now and get up to one thousand dollars that's right up to one thousand dollars for a risk-free bet on your next favorite underdog parlay or prop eagle casino and sports made in michigan made for michigan must be 21 or older than michigan to play you're
0: listening to the huge show on the michigan sports network
1: On today's broadcast, we look back at my conversations with Gold Star families in West Michigan about their sons making the ultimate sacrifice for the United States of America. Joining me inside the huge studios are Bob and Donna Rausch. They're out of Middleville, Michigan, on the west side of the state, and they're a Gold Star family. Uh, Their son, Nick I uh, was a soldier killed in Afghanistan. And I wanted to carry on the legacy of Nick and who he was when he was growing up and why he chose to serve our country and ultimately uh, made the biggest sacrifice any man or woman can make for America when he was killed in Afghanistan. And I want to welcome in uh, Bob and Donna Rauch uh, to the Huge Radio Network. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Thanks for having, for having us. us. All right, Bob, uh, we'll begin with you. Uh, Take me back uh, to Nick Roush growing up in Middleville and the type of kid he was.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm, growing up, I guess, uh, typical kid, you know, uh, out in the country having a blast roaming around the woods and playing with bicycles and stuff in the front yard and um, we lived out in the country. And our boys loved that. He had two brothers that he got to play with and a golden retriever always. So <laughs> he was, uh, yeah, he was living large in the country.
1: so So as he gets older um do you when he's becoming a young man growing uh into a man do you notice that he has an affinity for our country for the military uh was there a side of him you saw at a young age where you're saying yourself you know he might one day serve america no
3: absolutely not (laughs) i I didn't see that i mean the only thing I, i didn't see that it wasn't something that uh he aspired to it was uh I'm sure he probably noticed I was the type to always have an appreciation for the military and what they do for us. So uh, he definitely saw me on more than one occasion thank a soldier in an airport or somewhere that we happened to be. Um, So, you know, he definitely saw the appreciation from his parents for what the military does for us.
1: And and Donna uh, has... The mother of Nick, uh, and we're talking with uh, Bob and Donna Rauch, uh, Nick Roush, out of Middleville, Michigan, uh, was killed in Afghanistan. And we'll go through uh, his timeline and his life here in a few moments. But a little background from a mother's perspective, uh, what type of young boy was Nick Roush?
0: He was a unique young man. Uh, he had big, bright red hair and wore it tall and high and... Um, really cared about how he looked. And everybody liked Nick. He was a friend to everyone, even those that were outsiders. He took them in and um, was just a kind young man. He w- had a great personality. He's had his dad's personality, like to joke and laugh. You could, you could, know, They would tell each other stories and be crying. They would be laughing so hard, and we'd all just look at him like, okay. <laughs> But yes, he, he was a great friend to so many, and he was um, very much missed.
1: Bob, uh, at what point then, so he's in high school, is he an athlete? Is he a guy who likes to work on cars? <laughs> uh, uh, what type of teenager uh, did your son, Nick Roush, become?
3: Uh, he played golf uh, all four years of high school. In Middleville, middle of was Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. And he was a good golfer. Um he wasn't a great golfer, but he was good enough to be a starter on the golf team and um, to turn in some good scores. And we had family memberships growing up, so as a family, we spent a lot of time on the golf course. And uh, so, yeah, he he loved that. And but cars were definitely his real passion, and uh, he he developed that pretty early on because um, I was my whole family's. They're car guys, and we've been playing with cars forever. And so I was taking him to car shows, and that, that probably initially got him interested in cars, you know, going to the car shows. And we had an annual trip to Detroit for ram on for um, in the North American International Car Show. We would always go to that. And so we've got lots of pictures of years of doing that. And so, but yeah, then he... He got the Fast and Furious. He was kind of that Fast and Furious generation. Wow, yeah. He got into that, and he could lay on our couch and uh, lip-sync the entire first Fast and Furious movie. So, yeah, he loved it. And then and then he went on to build his own Fast and Furious car that did absolutely amazing things. Uh, that's a story in and of itself. But at, I think that was the car was the perseverance really came through that if i set my mind to something i mean i really saw it
1: with the car so you started he, to see him when he's working on cars that oh. he, he had a mental focus where he wanted to do something so how do we get from working on cars and uh, knowing every word or knowing every <laughs> every word in the script to fast and furious where does the idea to join the military come in to your son's life
3: Well, he was going to college, and he was in his second year of college. And And he was going to school where? Kalamazoo Kalamazoo Valley. Yes. And uh, so he was in his second year there and doing well and seemed to be enjoying it. But he met a special operations soldier in one of his classes um, who had to leave the military for an injury that he had had gotten. And... uh, They struck up a friendship, and uh, he told Nick about, you know, how great it was to be part of a team, and um, told Nick that he really missed it. He missed being part of that team, and he missed that brotherhood, and Nick just came home one day and said, I stopped at the recruiter's recruiter's office on the way home, and I, I not only want to join the military, but I want to be part of special operations, and he started reading books he was an avid reader and so he went to the to the bookstore and bought books on passing special forces you know physical tests and what would be expected of him for that and then uh, as much as we tried to talk him out of it i mean selfishly i you know there was a war going on at the time and, and you were worried about your you know, son we were, yeah we were very worried about him mm-hmm. And so we tried to talk him out of it. I actually bought another project car. I bought a...
1: Trying to divert his attention.
3: Like, you can't leave
1: this car, right? Right. Yeah. There's no way. You can't join the military. You you have got to put the carburetor in in this
3: vehicle. That that was the idea. Um, But again, he showed us his perseverance. So what age uh, is he...
1: What what age is Nick... uh, What year are we talking about here? Uh, Would have been
3: about 20. Yeah, maybe 19. I 19, guess yeah, I'd be nineteen, yeah um, and uh, then and then he set he was a skinny kid in high school, <laughs> and he set himself to figuring out how to beat his body into submission, and, so
1: that was before he went in, he started the oh absolutely getting into yeah. shape to be in special arms, oh, yeah, right? he was
3: lifting all the time, and he was he took an old high school backpack <laughs> and he loaded it with barbell weights because he read in this book that he would have to be able to rock with. Seventy-five pounds uh, and this many miles, and we have you know we live out right on the edge of state land, and so he went out on the trails, you know the state land trails with this barbell-filled high school backpack and with boots. Yeah, with With boots boots. on, and then and then you know he ended up bruising his back so bad from the barbells bouncing. the the trails all so he 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 wrapped all the barbell weights in towels and then repacked it so they were wrapped in mom's good towels um and uh to to you know cushion the blow a little bit and then uh yeah getting near the getting near time to go into basic he he wanted me to go out for a ruck march with him and i went out with him without any weights i just went out on the trails with him and i think he was probably showing off a little bit but i I, yeah, I, I didn't know if I was going to make it back, and I was <laughs> I was walking without a pack. So,
1: yeah, he was he was in pretty good shape when he went in. So he goes into basic training in the army, right? Is yep. that correct? And then after basic training, there's special ops training. After that, yeah. So basic training, special ops training. Here's a 20 year old kid, Nick Roush from Middleville, Michigan. You're his parents. So you know a war is going on. Um, at what point does he finish special ops training? and now he's deployed how fast from when he said goodbye to you guys uh going into basic training until he was deployed in afghanistan what was that time frame is it two years two years two years yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so how long was he in afghanistan uh, before he made the ultimate sacrifice
0: four and a half months that's it Mm -hmm.
1: and he was a special ops and i assume you guys maybe now know but at the time the, (laughs) the the special ops guys can't talk to anybody about what they're doing right
3: yeah, we didn't know anybody. We didn't know anything. Um, Did you know where
1: he was? We knew he was in Afghanistan, right. yeah. But not specifically where. I we didn't know ask, where. I
2: would
0: ask, Could you just tell us if you're north, south, east, or west, so I can worry in that section. You're looking at a map, <laughs> yeah. right? and he's like, Mom, you know. He said, well, they're really busy down south, and that's all he said. And so I assumed Central that was my or, yeah, hint. Central,
1: <laughs> right, yeah, your hint that they're...
0: And he was in western, Yeah. so
1: and, and what was his yeah. role uh, in the army and special operations he, he, he was
3: a psycho- psychological <laughs> i don't know if i can say it a psyops soldier that's easier to say um, so would he interrogate so, is that it or no um, their their job is technically their their the largest role that they have is disseminating information so
1: um, so if they get a if they get break a code or information or transmission they're trying to figure out what it is well nick was a tactical
3: psyoper so the tactical psyopers are the boots on the ground out in the field Um, the tactical psyops guys either get attached to a green beret team or a marsoc team which is the marine special operations nick got attached to a marine special operations team and those guys were amazing, mm-hmm. and he loved them. Yeah, they're like the they're,
1: they're like the unknown, and I got to know the Price family. Yep. Yes. Uh, the, yes, the the guys are kind of like Navy SEALs that nobody talks about, mm-hmm. but maybe yeah. even a little bit more front line, just like mm-hmm. Marines are like the first guys yeah. in, like right?
0: The Green Berets, yep. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's
3: exactly what they were, and uh, but but their their element of of being part of that team was to disseminate information so uh, gather information too but technically speaking they're supposed to disseminate information they'll do it with tv broadcasts radio broadcasts Um, the tactical guys are the guys that are just hand distributing leaflets um, hand distributing um, uh, voice uh, with with speakers like driving through a town with a big speaker system blaring hey, we're coming with our, you know, our gunships tomorrow. You you better be out of the way. Or we're looking for this bad guy. Mm -hmm. You know, please help us. Um, Things of that nature.
1: So... And he was helping, trying to figure out what's going on and help these uh, tactical teams on what they need to do, where they need to go, and who are the good guys, who are the bad guys, and kind of disseminate it and break it down.
0: Using interpreters. He was working with an interpreter. Wow. Yeah,
1: so right there in the the middle of it all in Afghanistan. Yes. So now, uh, in conversations you could have with him, with him being in special ops, Did he seem to be enjoying what he was doing? Did he understand his mission? Was there Mm -hmm. any apprehension about something could happen to him in Mm -hmm. your conversations back and forth?
0: He was always pretty lighthearted with us and got to call us a lot, being in special apps. Yeah, the satellite phones (laughs) they could use all the (laughs) time, right? So we got calls on the weekends quite a bit and, you know, talked to mom and dad so that everything stopped when Nick called, you know, so... We did get to hear from him quite a bit. Um, He was outside the wire for five weeks and three days, which about put me in the loony bin. (laughs) I was about ready to call Red Cross, like, why isn't he calling us? He usually calls us at least once a week, you know, so. um,
3: Donna and his girlfriend were a basket case. I was Mr. Denial, but. Yes. Yeah.
0: He finally called and said, oh, yeah i'm in i just gotta i gotta get some sleep now so (laughs) were you guys
1: worrying every day was it one of those things having a son in the middle of a war where you're in meadowville michigan and you're thinking about it every day
0: every day i every day i saw those that car drive down our driveway and have two guys step out in a uniform you
1: were you were envisioning that right
0: i think god like, was preparing me.
1: So you would see it, actually. Oh, yes, you absolutely.
0: Would, I'd wake you, up in the middle of the night. This is before mm-hmm.
1: uh, yep. Nick, Nick passed away. Absolutely. You, you would see a vehicle.
0: Yep. So,
1: so yeah. So, he,
0: he was in denial. He just said, honey, there's 100,000 troops there. Nick will be fine. You know, it really wasn't even that bad in Afghanistan at that time. And But I just, I feel like I knew, like, God was just telling me. This is it.
1: So now uh, it's August of 2009. Is that correct? Yes. Yep.
0: The 16th of August.
1: And it isn't a vision. You yeah. see the car. Yep. Come up your driveway in Middleville, and you know you you guys know what I've heard from all the Gold Star families is they know uh, what's happening when that vehicle pulls up.
0: We were, it was a Sunday evening, and we were, were you
1: notified? To, well, they they don't know. They they have no, the vehicle they, do it in person. You don't know with all electronic technology now. It's still yep. face it to face within
0: four hours of when it happens, and
1: that quick, really?
0: Yeah. So they, you know, have these poor two guys have to come down the driveway, and I still in my mind thought, oh, maybe Nick's surprising me. He's coming home early, and then I saw two guys in the car, and I just I knew immediately. I was watering flowers, and I dropped the can, and I said, he stepped out of the car, and he said, is Robert Roush here? And I said, you better not be here for what I think you're here for, and she said, I need Robert Roush, and he was in the barn and <laughs> came out, and they, you hear those words, we regret to inform you. And I dropped, I dropped to the ground, and he was angry. Just, <laughs> like, you guys have to do something about these IEDs, and not their fault, of course. And it was an IED
1: on a IED. road in Afghanistan.
0: Yep, he left.
1: I just,
3: I, I, I felt like I, I sort of knew their hands were tied. We had gotten an email; um, they had changed uh, the rules of engagement at, while Nick was, was in country, mm-hmm. and they basically tied their hands behind their backs. And, and there's. There's a few books from Marsec guys that explain it in better detail, but uh, it was difficult and dangerous, more dangerous for them to do their jobs. And Nick told us, he said, we we were trained, we spent more time training to go in to the fight than back away from the fight, and our jobs gotten more dangerous. And uh, and that night they had they had left the FOB at 11 o'clock at night to do the most dangerous job, a direct action job where they were they were under the cover of darkness they were going in to take out the bad guys and and they did they did they succeeded and they were nearly back to the base and they were ambushed and um those guys that have seen about everything you can see said it was one of the worst firefights that they'd ever been in and if not for the air support that they had they
1: all of them wouldn't, would have been they probably lost. wouldn't have
3: made it out. So we actually got a letter from the AC-130 gunship mm-hmm. pilot, mm-hmm. and that was really special that he took the time
1: to seek us. So he was he oh. was writing a letter to say he wrote a letter. He, he to was say proud that he he, was, he he wished he could have saved your son, but he saved the lives of that Marsak yep. special yep. unit. He yep.
0: witnessed them yep. being professionals, and
1: yeah and fighting
3: under the worst of conditions. And uh, mm. it was his first loss on the ground. But and uh, yeah, and he took the time last. to find us and and write us. And I was pretty impressed by that. They're yes. all they're oh. all amazing. Oh, they're amazing. all absolutely amazing. The
1: camaraderie and teamwork the, was something the, that your son longed for. Yeah. Yep. And it's there unlike anything oh. on earth.
0: Yep. Those boys call us mom and dad. His yep. teammates are amazing.
1: <laughs> and I was reading a story at MLive.com going back to... Your son's funeral. And we're talking to the Roush family. Nick Roush was out of Middleville, Michigan. Uh, he made the ulti- ultimate sacrifice for America on August 16, 2009 in Afghanistan. And I think it's your father, Robert Roush Sr., am I correct there? Mm-hmm. Uh, at the funeral, uh, he spoke in the eulogy and he says, or said, we all have a destiny in our lives. I know that God had a destiny for him, uh, something for him to do. Nick, he is at this moment living out the rest of his destiny, and I await a great family reunion. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, and then what's also fate, circle of life, however you want to say it, uh, a year ago this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, yeah. uh, NASCAR pays tribute <laughs> to fallen heroes, Yeah, and here's a guy who <laughs> loved cars, who <laughs> loved working out in the garage, who thought Fast and Furious was an educational <laughs> uh, series. Yes. Uh, your son's name... I was on the vehicle of Eric Jones, right? Am I correct? Yes. And you you went down. And yeah, Michigan. Yeah. Great driver. Yes. And you went down to the race. It
0: was amazing.
1: Mm. I'm not really into
0: NASCAR at all, but now I am. (laughs) Look
1: Look at the, I always say NASCAR in person is, it's, it's amazing. It's a big show. Right. But the full circle Mm -hmm. for the kid when you, you found that he was focused and determined when it was working out in the garage. Mm Mm-hmm. And no matter how much pain you guys are feeling in your heart, that the full circle. When a year ago this weekend you're at the Coca Cola, I think 600 down in Charlotte, yeah. right? Yeah. When you're there, mm-hmm. and, and and his name's on a car, yeah. think, a fast <laughs> a car doing you know 180 yeah. miles an hour, right? Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. And you're seeing that in the full circle, right? I mean, yeah. I, I you know I know we talked before the interview uh, just about mm-hmm. fate, destiny, paths mm-hmm. crossing, yeah. and you told me um, the date he made the ultimate sacrifice was not the same year but the same date august 16th for navy seal david warson out of kentwood who we talked about on the show well Mm -hmm. i have to tell you i admire your strength Mm -hmm. i really appreciate you coming in to Mm -hmm. uh, give us as much as you could on the timeline of life uh, for your son i'm sorry you have to deal with this Mm -hmm. Uh, gold star families are special people and, you know, I thank Nick for his service, uh, your boys, your extended family. Uh, Memorial Day weekend has a different meaning out of Gold Star families. Absolutely. Uh, Veterans Day, all these things. Mm-hmm. So, Bob and Donna, thank you so much. Well,
0: thank you for honoring you. our boy by allowing No, us to anything
1: I can out. do to help, help people hear the story mm-hmm. yeah. of a kid from Middleville yeah. who yep. liked cars and loved his family and loved his country. Loved yep. his country. You know, these stories are there, uh, they, they're real. This isn't a movie script. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. Appreciate it. You're listening to Huge Show Conversations with Gold Star Families here in Michigan as they talk about the legacy of their sons who made the ultimate sacrifice fighting for our country.
0: You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan
1: Sports Network. Special thanks to my good friend Johnny Brand Sr. and Sandy Brand and the Brand family. I want to salute their commitment to the Gold Star families and our fallen heroes. I know Johnny Brand Sr. personally, and beyond all the Brand Steakhouse and Grills, his heart with the hearts of every Brand family member has been about those families who have lost a loved one who has made the ultimate sacrifice. Thank you, Johnny Brand Sr. and the entire Brand family.